Good morning. I will be reading from Matthew 5, 3 through 9. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Thanks, Joa. So this morning, we're kicking off a brand new series called Israel and Palestine, understanding the conflict through biblical themes. Now, you've probably heard something that's going on in the world, whether it's on your news headlines, newspaper headlines, if anyone still reads newspaper, uh, maybe your social media threads. You might be hearing these headlines uh, across wherever you get your news sources. And again, this conflict that's been happening between Israel and Palestine uh, are two countries that are about the size of New Jersey. Now, the thing about New Jersey is that I don't know much about the East Coast, and so it just kind of gets lost in all those other states. But New Jersey, compared to Minnesota, is just a sliver of what Minnesota is. And so about two months ago, on October 7th, uh, Hamas, a religious, political, and terrorist group from Palestine, launched a surprise attack on Israel, killing 1,200 Israelis. And soon after that, Israel declared war on Hamas. Uh, this conflict that we experienced two months ago has been, a, has been one of the longest ongoing struggles that has spanned uh, over the last 70 years involving many dynamics like land, promises, religion, ethnicity, power, oppression, and those are to just name a few things. Now, in the next few weeks here, we're going to spend some time to consider how we can view this in light of what it means of being followers of Jesus, what it means uh, to understand this conflict in light of who we believe in. Not, that, not only that, but there are some, very, uh, some major biblical themes in this conflict uh, and surrounding this topic that we can't ignore and we have to examine, and it's a very complicated uh, and complex situation. And so this morning, we're going to specifically focus on the themes of land and covenant. But before we go any further, uh, I want to share with you just what I experienced um, in, in preparation for this week's sermon and, and for the next couple weeks as we talk about this topic here. Uh, this week, I was definitely humbled in preparing the message. Uh, even this morning, I'm feeling a bit nervous, uncomfortable, uh, because during my time in prepping for this, I just didn't, re I didn't realize how ignorant I was of what's going on around the world and what's going on uh, about this important topic. And so to kick things off, I want to apologize in advance if there's anything that I say that's incorrect or untrue. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm still uh, trying to understand this, this situation more and more and more. And if you have opinions, if you have expertise, if you have thoughts and opinions about this, I'd love to have a conversation um, if there's anything that I say that's wrong or incorrect. Uh, and at the same time, even though I feel humbled and there's a sense of nervous and un uncertainty of all that's, that, that's going on, the f all the facts that are going on, 
Uh, I know it's important for us to address what's going on and how should we respond uh, before any of us are experts. I think it's okay for us to have an opinion before any of us are experts. And so if you're ready to dive in this with me, let's go and jump into it. As I mentioned earlier, this conflict has a long and deep history, but I think it'd be helpful for us to be on the same page. And so I'm going to give us a really broad understanding of the situation just to give us a little bit of context of what's going on. And so Palestine and Israel, they were part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, but after World War One, back in 1918, the British took control of Palestine. And there were plans to establish a Jewish national homeland in Palestine because throughout, the, throughout history, the Jewish people have faced persecution, uh, but many Palestinian Arabs opposed it, concerned that it wasn't fair. Also, with many Arabs following Islam and many Jewish people following Judaism, religious differences have been a point of contention over the centuries. And so for hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of years, there's been conflict because of the religious difference. And so prior to World War II, uh, religious and political movements caused the flow of Jewish immigrants to move into Palestine. Uh, and the Holocaust during World War II fueled many more Jewish people to seek refuge in Palestine. Uh, after World War II, the United Nations approved to split Palestine into a Jewish, into an Arab state. And to be completely honest with you, I didn't know this, but it wasn't until 1948 when Israel was officially declared as a country. And so in the map, you'll see in that very first picture to the left that prior to 1948, that was considered Palestine. There was no Israel on the map. And then um, the, there was a plan to split up the, 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 the parts of Palestine so that there was two different states. There was an Israel, there was a Palestine. And so Israel's in the white in that second to the left, to the left picture, and then the green spots are, are Palestine. And then um, there was some other wars that happened between 1949 and 67, which made Palestine lands much smaller. And then this is modern day. I forget how, how present the very last picture of the right is, but that's kind of what modern day Palestine and uh, Israel looks like. And so before 1948, it was just Palestine. And then after 1948, uh, when Israel was recognized as a country, um, again, we have Israel and Palestine. And so again, my ignorance, I always thought Israel was a country. Again, granted, I was born in the 80s, and so I've always known uh, in Israel. Uh, Israel has always been on the maps that I've looked at. Uh, I've gone to church all my life, and so I've heard of Israel. So I just assumed that Israel was a country. But again, Israel is a much more newer country. And so following Israel's independence and recognition as a country, war immediately broke out protesting the move. And since then, there have been many wars in the area. And currently, again, this is what Israel and Palestine looks like. And so the orange is Israel. Palestine has the Gaza Strip. If we're moving from, from west to east, the Gaza Strip, that little strip there by the Mediterranean Sea next to Egypt, West Bank and the Golan Heights. Um, and so, again, that's what it currently looks like. Uh, and the current state and history of Israel and Palestine is that, again, it's just simply a long, uh, well, not simply, but it's, it's a long, complicated, and sad reality that has direct impact on them, but it also impacts us to one degree or another. Now, across our country, across the United States, unsurprisingly, 
everyone has an opinion. That's been the case for the last decade or two years. Everyone has opinion, everyone has strong opinions about the complex situation, and generally, we've seen a trend uh, in how this has negatively impacted others. Across the different generations, across my generations, my parents' generations, uh, and, and so on, research has found that younger Americans tend to support Palestine because they are seen as the victims of Israel. Israel is the oppressor who's colonizing Palestine. Uh, and while this perspective is true based on their, con on their context, they were born in a time after Israel um, was already established. Um, again, although this, this is contextual to younger Americans, uh, it has unfortunately sparked anti-Semitism um, protests, um, speech, and so anti-Semitism is just discrimination against Jewish people. Uh, across colleges, recently it has, uh, has sparked anti-Semitism across colleges. Some elite colleges like University of Pennsylvania, Harvard, MIT, where all the pe smart people go to. And so there's just some sadness in that, like, man, like what's going on in our world? Uh, older generations, on the other hand, generally support Israel because they grew up in an era where they saw Israel, the Jewish people, as the oppressed people. Uh, across the three major religions, the three major, major monotheistic religions in America uh, and in the world, Christianity, uh, Islam, and Judaism, studies show that American Jews American Jews approve uh, the United States' response to Israel's war uh, against Hamas, but interestingly, 50% of American Jews disagreed how Israel's prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, they disagree with his, his policies into going and not what he's doing right now. Uh, Muslims have responded in favor of Palestine. A recent poll shows that 60% of Muslim Americans agree that Hamas was at least somewhat justified in attacking Israel as part of their struggle for a Palestinian state. And so we've got that tension there. And then our last group, uh, the Evangelical Christians, which is a tribe that we are a part of, that we belong to, Christians, Evangelical Christians, are in full support of Israel and their actions towards Hamas and Palestine. And we'll talk about a particular reason specifically in, in a bit here. So there are many opinions, and so, but then what seems to be the common issue, what tends to be a core tension that everyone experiences, even though there's difference, is this, whose lives matters? I think that's the core tension that we hold. And so the October 7th uh, attack is considered the largest attack on Israel and on the Jewish people uh, since the Holocaust. And so I can see why it's important to support Israel. Hamas desires to establish an independent Islamic state in historical Palestine, and they plan to do that by eliminating Israel by any means necessary. Now, before I say the next thing, I want to make it clear that I do see Hamas and I do see Palestine as two different groups of people. And so I'm not equating Palestinians with Hamas. I'm not saying that all of Hamas is Palestinians. They are two separate people. Uh, and so, again, Hamas is from Palestine, but Palestine isn't necessarily Hamas just because they're associated uh, with that said, again, Hamas, what they have done is evil and not right. And so in that sense, I support Israel. 
And at the same time, Israel has responded by declaring war on Hamas. And regardless if we find that to be justified or not, uh, their military action has caused a lot of collateral damage impacting the well-being of Palestinian civilians. Some of the major and controversial military actions that Israel has taken include uh, a complete blockade on Gaza, preventing the entry of food, water, medicine, fuel, and electricity to Palestinians. Humanitarian conditions have been a huge concern with people not receiving essential needs and hospitals cannot take care of those who are sick and hurt. Uh, mass evacuation of Gaza has left millions of Palestinian civilians displaced looking for refuge. And there's just been indiscriminate bombings on Gaza. And so some experts consider Israel's military campaign to be one of the most destructive in recent history. And it is estimated that there's upwards of 1,200 Israelis and 23,000 Israel, uh, 23, Palestinians, 40% being children, um, about 24,000 that have died since October 7th. Tomorrow marks the 100th day since October, uh, October 7th, and that's an average of 240 people who die every day since the war begun. And if we put that into some perspective, between both River Life campuses, Brooklyn Park and St. Paul, we have about 240 people on an average Sunday. And so uh, imagine that for the next 100 days, that both campuses would just cease to exist. Uh, maybe I'm just naive, and, and that's just a part of war. I, I don't know, but it just doesn't sit well with me uh, of what Israel's doing. And so in that sense, I support Palestine. I can't find a simple solution because this situation, again, is not simple, and that's why I think we need to preach and talk about this topic. We can't, we can't ignore it. We shouldn't ignore it. And it was necessary to at least take some time for us to think, address issues when we face them. And as believers of, believers of Jesus, I think we have to consider what and what we think and how and how uh, what we do and what we think about this and how we should think about this. Uh, a simple yes or no that our country has kind of resulted in result has has defaulted onto for the last decade here. Um, I think doesn't do any justice. Um, and and um, it feels like, again, many American evangelical Christians, the tribe that we are part of, um, again, land in this trap of, again, just yes, we support or no, we support, and, and that's it. Um, American evangelicals, uh, again, in, in their in the research finding that they fully support Israel, uh, a lot of research has found that they base their support on biblical, the biblical theme of land and covenant. So that's going to be what we're going to be talking about today. And so I'll share with you some of my thoughts on this and why I think we have to take into consideration our understanding of these themes and, and consider what could be another option. And so let's explore a little bit of what the general population of the American evangelicals have have come to conclude so in, uh, in why they support Israel. And so generally, you'll find that American evangelicals support Israel because they believe that it's their godly duty to do so. Uh, often, evangelicals will argue that the Jewish people have a divine right. They have a godly right that God has given them the right uh, to live on the land because it was the land that God promised to the Israelites. 
Now, a passage that evangelicals will often refer to is the Abrahamic covenant, the promise that God made to Abraham, and that's found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and this is what it says. Feel free to follow along on the screen here. This is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So generally, evangelicals believe that God's covenant, God's promise to give land to Abraham is the reason why we need to support Israel. And when I say we, I mean America. Uh, and it's essential, uh, uh, I say America and, and Christians, and it's essential that we support Israel because of verse 3, which, has, which says, I, this is God speaking, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And so some American evangelicals have taken on the duty to support Israel no matter what they do so that they can be a recipient of God's blessing. Um, a podcast that I often listen to whenever I'm trying to think about these things deeper is called Holy Post uh, Podcasts, and, and their, 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 their podcasts on this particular episode reference how sometimes people think that blessing Israel is simply our lucky rabbit foot, that if we bless Israel, then we will somehow be blessed with blessings. Um, I think there are three reasons why we have to unpack this a little bit more instead of simply accepting this literal interpretation. I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, with literally interpreting the Bible, but I think we have to unpack it a little bit more. And so the first reason is this, uh, and there's, uh, that, there's, that this, the Abrahamic co uh, covenant, this is an unconditional covenant that God makes with Israel. And I'll explain that a little bit more. The second reason I think we need to unpack this a little more is that I think those with a literal interpretation are just simply trying too hard to intervene with God's plan. And lastly, how do we understand other passages like Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 9, which Choi read earlier when it comes to understanding God's blessing? And so let's dive into these three reasons. And so the first reason, again, this covenant about land is generally seen as an unconditional. Uh, let's go to the first reason. Um, this covenant, Abraham's covenant, the promise that God made with Abraham, this covenant is generally considered to be an unconditional agreement between God and Abraham. That just basically means that God promised Abraham he will give Abraham land, he will make Abraham a great nation, he will bless Abraham, he will make Abraham's name great, he will make Abraham a blessing, and in return, because it's unconditional, Abraham doesn't have to do anything. Now, if this was a conditional covenant, it means that in order for Abraham to receive all these things from God, he would have to do something on his end so that God would bless him. And so here's an example of a conditional covenant from Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, when God made a covenant with Moses. This is what God says to Moses. Now, if... If is really important because it's conditional. Now, if, Moses, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. And so this is a conditional covenant that God made with Moses. If you obey me, then I will make you my treasured uh, possession. Whereas in Abraham's covenant, there are no ifs. 
God says, I will multiple times that he will fulfill his promise with or without human influence on it. Which leads me to the second point. I think humanity is trying too hard to intervene with God's plan. All throughout history, we've seen this. A population of believers, a population of people often have a desire and sometimes almost an obsession to fulfill prophecy. And they think that it's their responsibility to fulfill prophecy so that Jesus can return. And while I admire their desire to see Jesus return so that Jesus can restore and redeem um, the earth here, some people believe literal things have to happen and so, uh, and so that Jesus can return so they do whatever they can to intervene. And while I believe that we're not supposed to just to sit on the sideline and wait till God does whatever he does, I believe we do have a part of God's plan. I don't think it's up to any of us to fulfill prophecy. And in fact, all throughout the New Testament when Jesus was on earth, only Jesus has filled prophecies, not humanity. Again, I'm not saying that we don't have a role and responsibility in doing God's work. We do, but I think evangelicals sometimes make themselves more important than they seem, uh, particularly in this case when it comes to supporting Israel. It can feel like manipulation, and my concern is that our intervention might not help things. Instead, I think it might mess up things. Lastly, if we do take a literal interpretation that we have to bless Israel by supporting them in everything that we do, I think about interpretations like, of passages like Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 9, or the greatest commandment where Jesus tells his followers to love God and to love others. If we interpret Genesis chapter 12, verse through th- 1 through 3 literally, um, I think we have to understand other passages about blessings literally too. And so let me read Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 for us again. This is what it says. If Genesis is all about blessings, Matthew chapter 5 is all about blessings as well too. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now the Sermon of the Mount is one of Jesus' very first sermon that he preaches, telling us that we are blessed when we live a life completely different from what the world suggests. It's the poor in spirit who inherit the kingdom of heaven, who gets to see God's restored and redeemed um, state of, of where we live in. Instead of seeking how we should be blessed when we're the most prosperous people who live in the most prosperous country, should we be seeking to see what we're truly missing to make life meaningful? Jesus says those who mourn are comforted. The death toll is over 20,000. And you cannot, at least I cannot, not mourn about this conflict. There's been so much lost already in just this recent conflict, and I don't know what the numbers is over the last 70 years. There's much to mourn about. The meek or another word for humble, the humble are the ones who inherit the earth, not the proud 
not the powerful. The ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness, these are the ones who desire to see God's standard and not our standard. Those are the ones who will be filled. The conflict is more complex than just choosing one side or the other. Our standard of right or wrong in comparison to God's is different. So we have to hunger, we have to thirst, we have to seek for God's standard in this situation. The ones who show mercy will be shown mercy. Currently, the United States and the Israel are two countries with the most powerful militaries in the world. And I'm grateful for that because we don't have to worry about living in a war-torn state. Two years ago, Trevor Noah, the host of The Daily Show, said this regarding the conflict and Israel's military capabilities compared to Palestine's. And Trevor Noah's not, a, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he, he does a lot of social commentary on things. Uh, this is what he said about the, the, uh, a conflict that happened two years ago between Israel and Palestine. If you are in a fight where the other person cannot beat you, how hard should you retaliate when they try to hurt you? When you have this much power, what is your responsibility? 153 countries have called for a ceasefire, while 10 countries, including the United States, have not. I think we have to advocate for mercy. The pure, and then the pure, next part, pure in heart will see God. I'm scared if we choose to support Israel by taking on just a simple literal interpretation of Genesis 12, verse 3, and not considering options. We might only be seeking God's blessing not God himself. And lastly, to end this all, the peacemakers. The peacemakers. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. The peacemakers are blessed, and they will be called children of God. We have to be peacemakers because that is who God is, that is what he does, and that is what he calls us to do. I mean, every Sunday we conclude service with our benediction and, and we, we pray that God's peace be upon all of us. God calls us to be peacemakers and so I just can't see where we can land on one or the other. And, you know, as we conclude, I don't think this conflict that's happening is simply choosing one side or the other. I think our world does a great job of forcing us to choose sides, deeming one as right, one as wrong. Uh, I believe each side has a legitimate reason why they're fighting. And I believe they also have many faults too. But in the end, I think we have to examine who we believe in, what we believe in, what we see in the news every day, uh, and consider Jesus and who he is and what he's called us to do. And he's called us to love. He call, he's called us to love others. I think it's our job to love both the Israeli and the Palestinians. I think our love for the Israelis could look more, uh, more than just supporting them in what they, what they do. Love could be telling somebody, hey, you're doing something that you probably shouldn't be doing. And it equally could said, be said about, about the Palestinians, specifically uh, Hamas. I think love protects life, and to deny one or the other life is ungodly. So I think the solution that at least I've landed is that I'm pro-Israel, 
I'm pro-Palestine, and more importantly, I'm just pro-peace, seeking God's peace that he's promised to all of us and to Israel and Palestine. Let me pray for us.